talk to you tonight on a verse I preached before on Job 16:21. Last time I talked about this was 16 years ago. 16 years ago I spoke about this. I just felt led to go back to this. Um, I know no, nothing I preach probably is the same twice, but at least the verse will be. I want to thank God that someone went before God and pled for my soul. I just want to declare to you tonight I praise God, hallelujah, that someone, and more than one in some cases, went before God and pled for my soul. Father, help us tonight. There could be people literally, their directions changed because of this message, because of people getting a grip on this, because of the Holy Spirit awakening uh, them about someone that they could pick up the mantle for and plead before God. Father, we know that you answer our prayers. Shame on us for not praying more. Shame on us for not pleading more. Uh, I believe you showed us what could be done in this election when God's people got upset enough and began to plead, began to go before God. Took, took, uh, took a man that was absolutely impossible and made him president of the United States. Uh, you, you can do anything. You can do anything. Your people cry out. In Jesus' name, amen. I have shared with a number of people on Facebook and individually a verse that God gave me about what's happened in our election. It is Daniel, by the way. I might as well do this. I just might as well do this because it's out of my system. Uh, if you turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 4, I, I have, uh, there's a number of verses that, that I felt that God used through this whole process that I used on Facebook, my, my, my Facebook ministry, uh, as, as you may want to call it. Sometimes it's a wrestling match on there, I'll tell you that. Um, in verse 17 of chapter 4 of Daniel, uh, an insight, a spiritual insight is given here. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it 
to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. I think God did that. I think God did that. Because his people, which are called by his name, cried out for mercy. And God can use a guy like Nebuchadnezzar. God can use a guy like Cyrus to send Ezra and Nehemiah back to rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple. And not only that, finance them. I'll give you all the gold we took. I'll give you the silver. I'll give you the instruments. And I'll finance you. And oh, by the way, I'll send a guard to make sure you get hell. And when you get there, tell the people of the land that their tax money is to go to you to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls. Come on. That's about what happened to us November 8th. And may God do it. And may God rebuild some of the things that have been torn down in our country. And may he rebuild them. I believe it's possible. People say, well, I get a kick out of people by believe that oftentimes they've read the Bible a little bit. They say, well, you know, the end of everything's going to be destruction and it's going to be shot. That, let me just tell you, quit saying that. You don't know when that's going to happen. That may be a thousand years down the road. And you're out here crying like it's tomorrow. Now, I know we're supposed to be ready for the rapture any time. But, brother, I don't think Christians ought to have a doom and gloom look about the future. And we know this whole place is going to be burnt by fire, but we don't know when. God has kept back the wind so that you have a look up. God may give revival to America, and we may see, we may see a, 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 a windows of heaven open upon us, and we may see the Spirit of God come down upon this land, and we may see people getting saved up and down this land like never before, and we could see a revival that would hold back the, the hand of wrath for another 200 years. Why not? You answer me, why not? Why not? Would it change anything prophetically? No. No. Wouldn't change a thing prophetically. The trouble is that we've gotten downcast. We've gotten discouraged. And we've got like, there's no hope. It's all shot. Quit it. We're the, we should be the most hopeful people there ever was. As long as there's a God in heaven, as long as you're breathing, there's hope. And that's really what this message is about. Job chapter 16, verse 21 says, Oh, that one might plead for a man with God. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God, as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. I thank God publicly tonight that someone pled for me before God. My mother and my father faithfully brought me up before God. They taught me the plan of salvation. They gave me safekeeping. They showed me spiritual conviction, spiritual blessings. They helped me in making decisions in marriage and work and child rearing and everyday events. I stand here tonight largely due to the pleading of at least two people that I know of. That until they died, they pled to God for me and asked God that he'd help me. And they wouldn't quit on me. Now, a lot of people will start, but they'll quit on you, you know. But boy, you know one thing about your mom and dad. I think that's why God put it unequivocally, honor your mom and dad. No conditions. There's just nobody like your mom and dad. Nobody's going to take the place of your mom and dad. No, You're never going to have a friend 
tighter. Really, in the bottom of it all, when everything gets really, really rough, your mom and dad are going to be there for you, by the grace of God. I know some of you haven't had the same experience I've had as my parents, but I can tell you that in the general picture, it's that way. There may be an exception here. There may be an exception there, but that's not the rule about parents. And I, I and I, others have, have pled for me, and others have cried out for me. I think of... Uh, I think we used to have three old women in this church. I think we still have a few old women in this church, but I'm not going to name any names. We used to have Viola Witt, Mrs. Cooper, and Mrs. Griffith. And those three girls prayed for your preacher. And they cried out for me and prayed for me. Now, there's other people praying, praise God, that picked up the mantle they dropped when they got to go to the chariot and go to heaven. Those three, all three of them girls died the same year. I felt devastated. I just was devastated when they died. My mom died. I was devastated. I wasn't devastated I wouldn't see my mom again, though I'd love to see her. But that wasn't really what I was been devastated about. But my mom dying, I lost a prayer warrior. Now, I think they can pray in heaven. I don't think there's any reason why we'd say they couldn't pray in heaven, but I know here on earth, I lost a prayer warrior. When my dad died, I knew I lost a prayer warrior. I knew they cried out for me. There are a number of truths we need from this little text. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God. Hopefully for the next few minutes, you put everything out of your mind, not thinking what the football game's coming out. The Patriots will lose. You don't have to worry about that. I believe, why should we plead? I think we should, I, I believe in target praying. I've seen it. I know it works. I believe that you ask God for someone, and it can be more than one person, but for somebody that you'll target in prayer. Why do we do that? Well, there's examples in the Bible of others doing that. First, in the context of our passage, we have the person Job. Look in Job. You don't have to look there. Let me read you Job chapter 1, verse 5. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts, and thus did Job continually. I didn't read it exactly, but I'm, uh, the point being that Job gave himself a part portion of his day to plead to God for his children. Maybe they have forgotten. Maybe they've sinned. Maybe they've, God bless them. Oh, praise God, it makes a difference. Job cared about his kids. More than money, more than their jobs, more than what home, more than. We have too many parents that care about their children for all the wrong reasons. I mean, I'm talking about Christian parents. I mean, they care more about the academics than they care about spiritual influence. That is just a pet peeve with me, which in my long list of pet peeves. But that's one of them, towards the top. I mean, they, how is your academics? When there's no other choices but just a bunch of heathen out there, they'll, they'll say, well, I don't know if I can send them to a Christian school because they may not be able to get a scholarship to go to some heathen university or they may not be able to get a scholarship to this. Brother, I, academics in this world are not going to last forever, but our spiritual things will. 
I'm concerned those things in my kid that's going to last longer than whether he can do reading and writing. I, I've said this for, I'd rather have my kids say, did, don't, did, not, it couldn't slaughter the king's English than I would to be an old carnal, intelligent child. What went through my mind right now, I just cannot repeat, I tell you that. I'd rather have him say done, did, and, and ain't, and, and all these things that make English people cringe but love Jesus than to have his English perfect and be a heathen. How many times have I seen parents sacrifice the spiritual for the academics? Ooh. Uh, or they care more about sports and athletics than they do godly character. And we have sports here at Gospel, but we're all about godly character. I was really hoping to win the Christian Character Award. Because to me, I'm going to tell you, I want to win. I want to win. Sure, you want to win. But brother, what you learn in your spiritual, a part of you in sports is what's most important about it. I, I, there's... <laughs> Uh, there are parents out there that care more about the honor roll than the honesty roll. Amen. I want my kid to be honest. He may be a C student. By the way, the world's run by C students. I like when old George Bush spoke at some fancy dancy college, Yale or Harvard, one of them. They was asked as the President of the United States to do the, the convocation address, and he got up there and he said, uh, um, the country's run by a C student. Me. He was a C student. And, he, he, you know, uh, and he did a good job, by the way, during the 911 and all that pressure he did there. Bob Jones University said in their surveys that the, their A students did more poorly than their C students when it came to life and the whole big picture, that their C students actually did better than their. A and B students. Now I know, oh, my student, my my son made the honor roll. I'm for doing the best you can. But brother, I'd rather have a kid be honest than to be on the honor roll. In other words, you're pleading for your child that they have higher, higher standards than this old world offers. Care more about uh the parents will care oftentimes more about self-image than they do whether the kid's selfless. Let's teach our kids to be selfless and not worry too much like their self-image gets damaged. Death is coming, and it's relentless. Job's kids, by the way, partially due to him, were ready when death came. Will you be? Will your kids be? Have you taught your kids to be ready for death? Abraham pled for, the, for his cousin, uh, nephew Lot, and family in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham reasoned with God using God's own sense of judgment. He pled for uh, Lot. He pled for Lot's wife. He pled for the kids. He believed there were at least 10 of them, that it would be easy for 10 of them or he would have went to five. Look what Lot did. He went from 50 to 10. Wow, he got before God and God was moved. What is, what is that whole thing, that whole exchange of Lot? in Genesis chapter 18, teach us. It teaches us that God wants to be persuaded. He's not a stone wall. Has he not said it's not his will that any should perish? Has he not said it does not please him the death of the wicked? The death of the wicked? That's 3311 of Ezekiel, by the way, where I taught this morning. Uh, he don't have any pleasure in the death of the wicked. He said, so God tells you, I want to save it. 
Well, praise God, Moses pled. Wouldn't have been for Moses why they said Israel had been a sinner, amen? I mean, Mo, you know, I'm not saying, sometimes when I'm reading the Old Testament, I just want to say, Lord, take them out. These are just some of the most encourageably bent to do evil group of people I've ever, almost ever read about are those children of Israel. And eventually they ended up wandering 40 years and dying anyway in the, in the uh, sands of the desert when they came out of Egypt under Moses, crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, saw the 10 greatest miracles that ever happened, were fed manna every day, were fed quail, uh, had fire by night, a cloud by day. Their clothes never wore out. God was all over them. They saw his Shekinah glory on top of Mount Sinai. They saw his Shekinah glory over the, over the tabernacle. And yet they were disbelieving and ungodly. And yet Moses said, no, don't destroy them. Don't do it. Don't do it, Lord. He pled for them. He literally changed God's desire, which was to destroy all them and raise up a whole other nation through Moses. Moses could have said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Had God and Moses ever gotten together, it looked to me like the, whoosh, they'd have been gone, and another 400, 500 years would have passed that the seed of Moses could have been raised up. God could do that. He's got no problem with that. Remember, God's not into time like you are. Day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. He wants it to delay another thousand years. That's okay. I think of the pleading widow. Take your Bible, if you would, to this is maybe the clearest place in the New Testament in Luke chapter 18. Take your Bible there. We'll briefly read the eight verses there from 1 through 8 in Luke 18. New Testament example. And, and he spake a parable unto them, that is Jesus, to this end, that men ought to always pray and not to faint. Have you been praying for somebody to be saved for a long time? Boy, I have. I prayed for, I told you this, the glory of, of my mother-in-law getting saved. My wife and I would get down beside our bed and pray for her mother-in-law, and I'll be honest with you. I'm just trying to be honest. I didn't think there was a hope for that girl, woman to be, she was as cold as a mother-in-law's. She was cold. I mean, she had no response to the gospel, no concern, didn't go to church, didn't care of it, never did. And so, but we'd say, oh, Jesus, save Carmen. Lord, save Carmen. Save Carmen. Save Carmen. We just in childlike faith, two, little, two kids down beside her bed before we go to bed at night, pleading for Carmen. Who else was pleading for Carmen? Nobody. As far as I know, nobody. It could have been her son later on got saved, but that was before that. Almost 40 years we pled for Carmen. No movement, no sign. All of a sudden, one day she says, I want to come down and live with you guys. I lived on five acres. I had built a prophet's chamber. It was empty. I didn't know why I built it. I thought maybe my mother would live in there. Maybe missionaries would stay in there. But I, had, I thought, Carmen, going to come down? Carmen, I said, I'm just putting the cabinets in. What color do you want? She said, I like white. So we put white cabinets in. I, I let her decorate it some. And she came down and stayed with us. I said, Carmen, you can stay for free. Free. No charge. You can stay with us for three years. And by the way, I think you need to be married about 40 years before you have that happen. Do not move your mother-in-law in your house until you've been married a good 40 years. 
But I felt my marriage was severe, was secure enough to have my mother-in-law living 225 feet away from me, but she was not in the same house. I wasn't mature enough for that. But I tell you what, that old girl moved down down 225 feet away in my, in my uh, carport there. I built a little 360-square-foot little prophet's chamber. She, she was as, as like a bug in a rug. She loved to sit out there and watch the alligators and watch this and watch that. She said, someday alligators going to grab me and drag me in the lake. I said, no, Carmen, they're not going to do that. But uh, she said, because you uh, are keeping me, I'm willing to go to church. Now, my wife and I looked at each other, and we said, I just about wanted to fall on the ground and say, Jesus, Jesus, you're doing it. Right in front of my very eyes. And she had a good spirit about coming. She sat right back there. And I remember preaching sermon after sermon after sermon and seeing her looking at me and, and just, you know, looking real serious at me. And then on the way home, she rode with us on the way home, and she'd ask questions about the Bible. One day she got saved. One day, then she said to Kathy, I want you to do a Bible study with me. Would you teach me? Pretty soon she learned all 66 books of the Bible. Pretty soon she says, I don't need you to help me with the Bible anymore. I know where I'm going. And she grew in Christ, and there was there was fruit that she had been saved. And, and folks, you say, well, that would happened anyway. What did it? Play it. Play it. You're, play, you're pleading for people like that. You're pleading for your family. You're pleading for people to raise you. Keep pleading tonight. Don't give up. Don't quit. Go beside your bed before you go to bed or whatever your prayer time is. And don't you quit pleading. God answers those prayers. Now, he may not have saved Carmen. And that would, I wouldn't have felt betrayed at all. But because I don't command God and tell him what to do. All I do is plead with God. Please do it. The Bible says he wants to save folks. And if I get with him and we, we partner up together on saving your neighbors, and I pray, I, prayed and I pray and plead for my neighbors. Do it. Here it is. He spake a parable always to pray. That's the theme of this parable right there in the first verse. Luke 18.1. Saying there was a city, a certain uh, there was in a city a judge who feared not God, neither regarded man. He's a heathen. There was a widow in that city. She came unto him, saying, "Avenge me of mine adversary." And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, and, and some of us may have said this: Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest she continue, lest she weary continual coming. She weary me. Put it in our language, she nagged him to tears. And the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge saith. Shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him? Though, this is a curious statement, though he bear long with them. He doesn't answer it right away. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And in my notes I write, this kind of faith. In other words, what kind of faith is he not going to find? That people have quit believing that he'll answer their prayers. This election, one of my concerns was that Christians had gotten so beat down, so negative, that they would quit praying as if God was going to answer. 
Pray as if God's going to answer you. The righteous cry, the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. That's the Bible. Don't get so beat down. Don't get, well, I prayed this didn't happen. I don't care if you haven't had anything answered. You stand before God and you say, God, come. God, save my, could be my mom or my dad or could be my son. Some of you got sons and daughters that are wayward. Don't you give up interceding before God and doing supplication before God for them. Bring their name up to God. Wear God out on them to the place he says, look. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll save them. Because I'll tell you what, go before God. He said, I mean, you read it. Right there it is. God listens to his children when they call. With this kind of power, how can we not use it? How can we not use it? Samuel pled for Saul. Saul was by the way, don't be, too, don't be too down on Saul. Don't be too down on him. Yes, he sinned against God. Yes, he was wayward, but Saul didn't, but Samuel didn't give up on him. Samuel said, man, I, look, in 1 Samuel 12, 23, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, indicating it would be a sin. I hope you lift up Donald Trump. I hope you lift up his wife, his kids. I hope you lift up Mike Pence, already saved, but Mike Pence, his wife, kids, family. I hope you lift up some of these people in the cabinet that have been appointed. I hope God puts on your heart, okay, you maybe not going to do many, but lift up, lift up one of them and begin to plead that God has mercy, that God uses these people to help us. Plead. I just was talking to, to Jim Van Gildred about the potential of, of Donald Trump being saved. I think the man can get saved. I think his wife can get saved. I think they're close. I think they understand that this win wasn't about $100 million that he spent on the election. I think he understands this thing's bigger than him, his wife, and everybody else. That And, he, and God's people been all over this. Praise the Lord. This boy could get saved. We could end up having, and, and isn't eternity a lot longer than four years in office? Paul pled for the churches. And he pled and interceded for the churches. Direct biblical statements encouraging pleading are, are all over the scriptures. Ezekiel chapter 22 verse 30 says, I sought for a man among them that he should make up the hedge and stand in a gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. And look at this, what he says, but I found none. Therefore, have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. You know, that could be us, right? That could be us. Had not God's people gotten before him and stood in a gap and made up the hedge, God, listen, this country is deserving of God's wrath. It's deserve. They have spit in God's face. Every way you can insult God, they've insulted him. They have taken stands against him. 
And, and, and the wrath of God is just being held back simply by God's grace and his mercy. And when God's people come up under him and say, Lord Jesus, give us some more time to witness for you. Give us some more time to do the bus ministry. Give us some more time to do door to door. For the, for, the, for the little children that don't know the difference between the right hand and the left hand, Lord Jesus, save us for the children. Put people in office that will ban the horror of abortion. Put people in office that will restrict the horror of abortion. God, put people in office that are against this, this killing of the babies. God, help us. Plead. Plead. Makes a difference. Man, I've got my kids not young, 46, but he's got three kids that are young. Most of you got grandkids that are young. What kind of America do you think you're going to grow up in if things don't change? Don't we need some change? Don't we need some revival? Don't we need some, some, some big stuff? Man, I believe that there can be better days ahead of us than behind us. For Christ's sake. You say it's impossible. Ooh, ooh, God loves doing the impossible. He loves doing stuff that people say, he can't do that. He loves it. Will one, one that might plead for a man with God, that's what Job said. Why would you do it? Number one, because it's necessary to help him. Number two, we plead because it's effective. And number three, we plead because of our gratitude and how much we've received. We have received so much from God how can we not plead that others get some of the same we've received? Man, I've received forgiveness when I deserved hell, and it wouldn't, and, and not, <laughs> God has just come and had mercy upon this old rebel that grew up in a Christian home and rejected that and insulted God in such a horrible way. I remember going into my mom and dad's uh, bedroom one night and saying I was mad at them because I didn't want to be a Christian, didn't want to be raised in a Christian home. And all my mom did was cry. God have mercy on that idiot that I was that walked in that room to do that and broke me and answered my parents' prayers and has helped me even unto this day. I want to read you a little poem my mother wrote in October 24th, 1956. She was saved in October of 1953. I was... Uh, two years old. She wrote this poem. She says, I see my loved ones standing in the way. I watch their lives go by day by day. In my heart is one great desire that thy word, Lord, will set their hearts afire. For as I daily pray that thou wilt save their precious souls from hell's great wave before it sweeps them lost forever, Thy covenant I claim, when I see the blood, I will pass over. May I always pray for their lost souls, always plead as anguish rolls. From out of my heart, as I realize that it is eternal when one dies, may I live so close to thee that thy love from my lips flows free. Oh, may my Loved ones, see in me thy blessed, tender, loving mercy. My Lord, I truly from my burdened heart can say that with my life I've, 
I'd gladly pardon. If it would be their only way to accept Christ their Savior this very day. May God help us, like Job, like Abraham, like Moses, like Paul, like that woman, the unjust judge, to ask God to help us to plead for those that we have been burdened for by God. We would pick them up and say, one of my, you know, you never get too old for this. I love, I love the way God, I love the way God works. You get too old to preach. You get too old, pretty soon you can't remember who you are, where you're at. Sometimes you just get too old to preach. You get too old to teach. You get too old to lead singing. But you're never too old to get before God and plead. You got a ministry. You say, no, I don't have a ministry preacher bill. Here it is. Here it is. You can be by yourself moving heaven for the kingdom of God. Father, help us. May the Spirit of God come. May we cry out. And may we be heard from heaven. May, Lord God, you see more people saved, born from the, in the family of God, old wayward children get right with God, uh, neighbors and friends have a burden to be saved, a burden to go to church, a burden to hear the Bible. May, God, there just be a, a breaking out of thy spirit. Forgive us of our sins, our transgressions, and our iniquities. Create in us a clean heart. Renew within us a right spirit. Heal the bones thou hast broken. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about Jesus and the subject preached on, please contact us at gospel at mygbcs.com or call us at 239-947-1285. God bless.